The following program is a paid commercial, which has been paid for by the advertiser, whose products and or services are featured in this program. I'm feeling the good vibes, good vibes. Hey, Melissa. How's it going, Hello. Marvelous Melissa? How's it going, Super Cheryl? Good. So happy to be here. Um, for This will be our third time doing this, our third episode, I guess we could call it. Yes. I'm really excited. So well, we got these cool microphones. Were mm -hmm. these microphones here last time? Yes, they were actually here last yeah. time. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Lordy. Uh, you know, I remember water, but I don't remember the microphones. I'm like, yeah. hello. <laughs> I've got microphones. Awesome. <laughs> so what kind of stuff do you want to talk about today that's, you know, going to be helpful and useful for everybody? Definitely um, talk about behavior. Uh, my favorite subject. So I, I love it. I would love okay, to turn the tables a little bit and okay. talk to you about behavior. Oh, awesome. So I know that's always a hot topic. And I know, especially with everything that's happened in our world with COVID and schools closing down and people losing loved ones right. and traumatic events, it's really hit home for our kids, for mm -hmm. everyone. And, you know, we get so involved with the hustle and bustle of everything, we just forget like, oh my gosh, this has happened, right. you know? And so I would love to discuss behavior. I think you are a genius. No, but okay, I'll take <laughs> it today on a Thursday. Yeah. When it comes to being able to pick up on things that are in the classroom to assist a teacher in, in helping the students, um, you know, be successful. And I think that's incredible. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself in terms of what was your first encounter with a behavioral situation? Oh, great. So um, one of the things when I went in to get my master's in speech language pathology, I had to do some internships. Mm -hmm. And I had the, the honor of doing it in a school with an amazing speech therapist who was a mentor to me. And so what she did is she put me in situations to work with a variety of students. And I would always say like, I just want to do articulation. I just want to do fluency, like just work with people who stutter, things like that. And um, she's like, no, I think you need to learn this. And so she started putting me in rooms with students who were two and three years old that had a lot of um, behaviors that were outside of themselves, like hitting or running or throwing themselves under a table, you know, coming at you with their teeth ready to bite you. And so I was like, no, I don't think that's what I want to do. And so she said, no, you're going to. So a lot of what happened was I had to get out of my comfort zone and face a fear that I had that I wasn't going to be able to control what was going on. So what I ended up doing was finding out what motivated that child and then more importantly what motivated me to not take it personal and to not control it. And so I learned the hard way through all those situations um, with a variety of students and it went all the way from two years old to 22 years old. Um, with these behaviors like grabbing you quickly, you know, being impulsive by running out of the room or, you know, you know, taking their clothes off and running out of the house, out of the, you know, out of the school totally and then we hear it. about <laughs> We have a totally lot of runners yeah, yeah. without clothes in the schools. This happens. But um, what was important about what I was learning about myself was that it really wasn't about myself. That was just fascinating to me that I realized it had nothing to do with me. It really had to do with what is that? What what are they communicating to me? What are they missing? What do they not have naturally? 
And so I started very early on, even before I graduated and started working, I started making these connections that I needed to focus on what I wanted. And so this is something I talk about a lot when I help teachers mm -hmm. with really specific behaviors or children with behaviors. And so as I started to dive into it, then that took me into different directions. And as a speech language pathologist, I had um, the ability to work in different settings. And so I always worked like hospitals, rehabs, and I would work with patients that had strokes and traumatic brain injuries. And they had the same impulsivities, you know, um, grabbing people, saying things off the cuff, you know, not being able to manage themselves. Mm -hmm. And once again, it had nothing to do with me. I couldn't take it personal and had to focus on what I wanted. What, what did I need from them that would help them in whatever environment they're about to go in? Like, for instance, our patients that had to go home. And then for our students that have to be in a classroom with other peers or at home at a, or going to a birthday party or, you know, the things that their behaviors were keeping them from. So I started learning more and more about that you know through those experiences yeah. but I had to remove myself first so so much so much to unpack just in what you just said so going back and and reviewing that number one you said getting out of your comfort zone yes which is like a barrier that can be a barrier for a lot of people Most right people, yes and not taking things personally um you know that's that can be difficult too, you oh, know? Yeah. And But then I also love how you said, I had to remember that it's not about me, mm -hmm. you know, and that it's about the child and what do right. I need from that child? So like, as we know right now, yes, there's been a lot of technology updates, but school's not going anywhere, right? right. So going to a classroom and having to sit in a classroom, having to deal with different personalities, that's not gonna go anywhere right now. So you saying, what do I need from the student? The student needs to be able to go into a class mm -hmm. and be able to sit there and to be able to deal with, you know, difficult personalities, you know, cause we, there's lots of different personalities out there. And mm -hmm. so just trying to, you know, get through with those. Um, so I think that's, that's awesome, you know, and, and just very good um, personal reminders, you know, as, as mm -hmm. adults and for, uh, professionals and working because sometimes you know if you get bit it's not too much fun you know so you're right. but it's very good to remember like okay this is this is not about me there's a reason right. there's an antecedent behind this behind what happened behind the running um behind you know having doing some type of behavior Right. right. And I think even before we dive into like why this is happening, I think it's also defining behavior first because I think when, once you remove yourself and you don't take it personal, then you're not going to hold a grudge mm -hmm. from your, you know, your situation or the, the event that took place with mm -hmm. the behavior of biting, right? Mm -hmm. And so once you decide this isn't about me and then I need to focus on what I want, then what is behavior? And so simply put, it's a verb. That's it. It's just an action that's occurred. And as soon as you simplify what you're looking at and you realize that behavior is a verb, it's not somebody's adjective. It doesn't describe them. It's not their pronoun. It's not their nickname. So a lot of times what will happen within families or even adults that I worked with or um, in the classroom, we end up saying, you know, here comes the runner. You know, oh, there's the biter. You know, everybody move out of the way. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is the behavior gets attached to the child. So while we removed ourselves personally, we also need to remove the child personally from the behaviors that they're they're showcasing for whatever that why is, mm -hmm. right? Then we can get into the why. 
But we need to first come into the situation and say, okay, it's not about me. I know how to sit and listen. Yay, right? Mm -hmm. That's a good thing. I got the job. I have the badge. I know where to park. So I'm good. Mm-hmm. And now that you know, I've established that, I'm not going to take it personal. Then I also have to know how am I how am I going to define this in order to collect data from it, or in order to see it increase or decrease, and more importantly, to focus on what you want. So as soon as I realize it's a verb, so what would be the opposite I want from somebody who bites? Mm-hmm. What do I want them to do? I want them to talk and eat with their mouth instead, right? Yeah. Um, I want them to smile. I want them to laugh. I want them to have other things they can do mm-hmm. with their mouth. And when they're angry, what do I want? I want them to say those things or show me with a picture or bring it to my attention in different ways or frustration, whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. So it's learning to remove yourself, see behavior as just an action, and then also deciding what am I going to focus on? What do I really want? That's going to be huge in how you start to work with them. Incredible. And I love how you said behavior is a verb. It's not a noun. I'm like, oh my gosh, here comes the speech language pathology coming out, which is incredible. (laughs) And how do we break that down? It's like, oh, there you go. We just solved it right there. (laughs) There there it is. But I I love that. Um, Because it is easy, unfortunately, for all of us, Mm -hmm. even adults and anything that we do to attach, you know, that behavior to that person. Right. You know, and, and it's trying to, to separate separate that. So I think that's that's awesome. I also love that I heard one time somebody say that behavior is mm-hmm. a form of communication. Right. Um, so can you expand a little bit on sure. what that means? So I think what's interesting is that a lot of times when we go into a school environment, it's academic and more, you know, formal, mm-hmm. right? Um, we think that we learn by just listening to words. And um, if you find or if you if you know anything about communication or you're starting to wonder about it, it really is more Uh, people's facial expressions, their body language, the actions they take before and after they say something. Um, So we display behavior even in ourselves through, you know, or communication through behavior. Mm -hmm. So the way that we're doing things, um, the way we're standing. So I could look at you and, you know, have my arms crossed and be like, you're so good, Melissa. You know, thanks for being here. And you're thinking, well, that didn't feel too good because you're looking at what my behavior is, right? Mm -hmm. And what it's communicating. So yes. Um, behavior can be complete communication because it's a verb it's an action Mm -hmm. it's the things that we do and it relays information to everybody and so when you want to dive into the why um, it's not so much what happened right before or right after which is great information for data but it really is how am I responding to it to then either have it cease or develop more right so what am I doing in that moment to have this behavior continue, Mm -hmm. this verb multiply and Mm -hmm. keep continuing, Um, what is my reaction to it? And then what, you know, then where's my focus? Is my focus on what I don't want? Am I saying things like stop that? Because the minute you say stop, no, or don't, any verb, you know, anything, any action that, you know, you're asking them to stop doing after, Mm -hmm. that's the focus. So your Mm -hmm. focus is on what you don't want, Yeah. right? And so they're communicating to you and then you're communicating back immediately mm-hmm. by what you're reacting to and how you're reacting. Yeah. So if you want to shift the focus, because you're the adult, you've been here just a little bit longer, right? You know, you've had a few decades on this child. <laughs> so, so the hope is that you're taking the focus somewhere else. 
So they're starting to move their hands to hit you, and then you're talking about what to do with your hands. Oh, show me where your hands should be. What else could we do with our hands? And you start shifting the focus into what you really want rather awesome. than what you don't want. And we were all raised, or at least my generation, so I'll, I'll speak for my generation, Melissa, because <laughs> you're like 10 years behind me. Oh my goodness so, gracious. in my generation, right, we were raised with, you just did as you were told, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. You were seen, not heard. You, you just respected, mm -hmm. I'm disappointed. And that's all it took. Like yeah. you switched everything you did, you knew how to self-evaluate, oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this anymore. Mm -hmm. But um, we've gotten far from that. And um, we Thank need, goodness. yes. And so what our students are communicating to us is that they need us to tell us, w tell them what do I, what do you want? What should I be doing? Teach me that, because I'm telling you this is not coming natural to me. Oh, I love that, because and us yeah. as adults, we can't assume that they've already gained that. No, they're not coming right? with that. And that's okay, because there's so, even before COVID, though, I think with a lot of technology, and not that it, technology is everything, you know, or the fault of everything, but I do think there's different dynamics in families and different dynamics in how we do things. And there's a lot of solo time. Mm -hmm. So you're not always required to know those social skills yeah. um, or what's required in, you know, sitting and listening. I think that that's very difficult even for adults. I, you know, do professional development and I'm watching the adults in the room who are coming to me saying, I just want them to sit and listen. And within 20 minutes of me starting a presentation, they're not sitting and listening, right? <laughs> yeah, it's the worst. And so yeah. they start talking to each other, they're planning lunch, they're already doodling, they're somewhere else, they get on emails, they're taking phone calls, they're, they're doing a grocery list, you know? Yeah. So even in ourselves as adults, I think we've, we've moved further and further away from the ability to just sit and listen. Yeah. So if we start to have empathy for our students and realize, wow, I have a hard time with that, right? Yeah. Um, then what is it that you want? What do you want to teach them? Mm -hmm. You know, and how are you going to react to them when they need some help with that sitting and listening rather than demanding it? Then what can we do to realize a lot of times we need movement for listening. Mm -hmm. um, we're trying to tell you something. So going back to, you know, it's not personal, it's not about you. And if you know something about yourself, you're going to have that empathy for the student. And then just shifting that focus to what you really, really want. So, incredible. Yeah. I love your behavior right awesome. now. Like, you're listening to me with such intent. <laughs> I love your body language and your facial expression. Thank you. <laughs> of course. Anytime. <laughs> the Special Education Information Center is proud to provide resources and interactive features to help bridge the partnership between schools and families. Live chat with experts as we help you understand your child's disability, your rights, and what options are available to you. Spedtext.org. The preceding program was a paid commercial, which has been paid for by the advertiser, whose products and or services are featured in this program.